The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you once again to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. I'm happy to have you with me, and you can go to the Good Grief host page at Voice America, where you'll find links to Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Pinterest. You can listen to every Good Grief show we've recorded by going to the archives. And I also write a blog, and you can you can connect to the blog by going to my website, and there's also a link to that on the Good Grief page. Today I'm welcoming David Takaro Jr. David is a Mikisu Cree First Nation who overcame his fight with leukemia, chronicled in his memoir, Bad to the Bone, the true story of David Takaro Jr. Born and raised in Fort McMurray, Canada, he shares his tumultuous journey of self-discovery through pain, hopelessness, and the feeling of inadequacy to inspire other word, others to overcome adversity. After finding his purpose, he is living out his passion for teaching others to save lives by registering to become bone marrow donors. David spends his free time with his family and enjoying music. You can find out more about David Takaro Jr. and how to get a hold of the book by visiting davidtakaro.com. Welcome, David. Hello. How are you doing today? I'm wonderful today and looking forward to our conversation. Yes, me too. Thank you so very much for giving me the opportunity to share my story with you all. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. It's a privilege. So your journey was very harrowing. That's that's the word that kept coming to my mind as I was reading about what you went through. Can you give the listeners an idea of when you were diagnosed, how that all came about, and a little yeah. bit about that uh, the physical part of what happened to you? Absolutely. Well, it kind of start started off. Um, at the first symptoms I noticed were that of like a sharp stabbing pain in my spleen on my left side. And it, it was a crippling pain where I was curled up in a ball. And then from there, it progressed to extreme hemorrhaging, vomiting, nausea, extreme fatigue, extreme fatigue, you know, to the point where I couldn't get up off the couch to go get a glass of water and sit down. You know, I just couldn't do that. And I would see these white dots and these black floaties in my vision. And, you know, I mean, there's so many signs that said there's something going on. And, you know, my father had consistently said, David, you need to go get your blood work done. And I did go see a doctor, and I just assumed it was ulcers. And we both, you know, the doctor and I just attributed it to ulcers. We just looked at that. I didn't get blood work done. And that was, you know, kind of about two, two or three weeks into getting this, you know, just in my body. 
And then, you know, it, it just went for a few more weeks until um, December 24th. And that's, you know, there's, there's a lot in between that, which you can read in my story. But, you know, it goes on to, you know, when I get to Kelowna and then I'm brought to the hospital and, you know, I'm diagnosed at, at uh, on Christmas Eve, you know, with leukemia. And, you know, it's just, it was just um, one of those most, it's a real moments of my life, you know, it's like, blah, 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 you know, hemoglobin, red cells, T cells, this, that, and the other, you have leukemia, yada, 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 just leaves the room. And for me, I'm like, I knew exactly what leukemia was, but when I was told I had it, I forgot what it was, if that makes any sense. And so it, it was really, it was really a surreal moment for me finding out that I had, you know, had cancer. Sure, sure. It's time for our, our break. Listeners, go to Good Grief at Voice America to reach me and davidtacaro.com to find out more about David and how to purchase his book, Bad to the Bone. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? Real Life Solutions. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Hi, this is Cheryl Jones, and we've just proven that this is actually, yes, live radio because... uh, we completely lost each other there, David. 
So uh, we'll just pick up from here. Uh, I suddenly couldn't hear you at all. So now we're back. And when I, um, you know, stopped having you, when, I think you talked a little longer, but you were talking about um, ending up in the hospital, being uh, in acute pain, getting the leukemia diagnosis. And I just asked you what age you were. You may have answered that. 25. Uh, how old were you then? 25. I, I, it was just, just past 25 because my birthday was in September and I was diagnosed in December. So I was just past 25. Ah, uh, so uh, I, I feel that I work a lot with cancer and I feel that a young diagnosis like that is so, um, of course, a diagnosis at any age is difficult, yeah, but is. when you're young and I'm assuming you'd been pretty help, uh, physically healthy up to that point. Is that oh, true? Absolutely. I, I was, you know, I, I was very, you know, I wasn't like the greatest of athletes. I'll definitely say that, but I love playing sports. You know, I, I, played hockey. I loved it. I wasn't great, but I loved playing it, you know, just to be on the ice. And I just love that feeling or, or playing rugby. You know, I, I loved playing rugby. It was just such a fun sport to play. And, you know, also cross country running, you know, just take time by myself and just to run. I used to love running a lot. And there, there was just, you know, I was, I was, I was athletic in a way, but I wasn't like, you know, um, uh, I wasn't like, you know, a rock and like a football star or anything like that. Sure. You know what I mean? But you but were very I, I active, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was very active. And not only that, I traveled a lot. Um, I did a lot of, you know, went to a lot of concerts, uh, you know, just did a lot of traveling really just to explore and just to see different parts of the world. So I, you know, I was very active in a lot of different areas and also with music as well. You know, I, I, um, I've been a DJ since uh, 1997. I've also played the drums since I was 13 years old for 19 years. So I've always been heavily music, but uh, and also listening to music as well. So there, there's, I've always been active in a lot of different areas. Yeah, and and um, <coughs> uh, what really stood out to me um, was how very hopeless uh, they said this was yes uh so not only did you get diagnosed with cancer but they were pretty convinced it seemed to me that you were going to die Uh, absolutely in fact they uh didn't tell me personally but i overheard them tell my mother four times that i was going to pass in three days uh once on christmas eve twice Christmas day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. And then again, on boxing day, you know, from Canada. So four times in those three days, I overheard the doctor say, you know, your son's not going to make it through the day or the morning or the afternoon or the night, you know? So I heard that a lot. And at first I was like petrified after the first two, but then I'm like, okay, he's been wrong twice. Let's just see what he says now. Sure enough. He said it again. He was wrong. Boxing day. He said it again. He was wrong. So after that I said, okay, Strike four, you're out. I'm not listening to this anymore. I'm going to take mm-hmm. this into my own hands and just let my own, I'm going to decide my own fate. You know, I'm not going to have it dictated to me, you know, by a guy who, you know, whose job is to be pessimistic. So sure. I, I, I just, at that point, just said, you know, I'm just going to go through the motions and let whatever happens, happens, but I'm going to be positive through this no matter what, because it's all I have left is just to be as positive as I can be. And I just took that mentality and I just ran with it. And that's what I think 
kind of helped me get through what I needed to get through. And my message is just to, you know, let people know that you, just to be positive no matter what the situation. And if you, no matter what you think your situation is, somebody else out there has it worse. And for me, when I got that diagnosis, I know it was a rough one, but there's people out there that get, you know, the life sentences that, you know, they're stage four, uncurable. I was near that, but I was lucky enough that I caught it at the very late stage three. And it, it, it's just, you know, you give yourself hope to get through this stuff and you cling on to anything just to say, I can make it through an hour. I can make it through a minute mm-hmm. and anything I could do to cling on to those, I would. And so for me, changing my, you know, kind of a cynical kind of pessimistic attitude, I changed that right away. And I had to do whatever I could to be positive because for me, I found being positive made everything easier. And then I started to see my blood counts get better. So I'm like, Hey, this is working. And so I just kept doing (laughs) it. So you you saw pretty in your, in your situation, uh, being committed to your life had a seemingly a physical effect. I know that isn't always true for people, but you, there seemed to be a correlation for you, huh? Yeah, absolutely. I was really interested in the book in the sense of um, you. your fight came up right away, your yes. fight to live. And yet, before that, it seemed to me you were saying that you're not sure how committed you were to it, like you didn't feel fully alive. Exactly, exactly. And you just hit that right on the head right there. Because uh, before, yeah, I was just simply existing through life. You know, there was, I didn't really feel like I had a purpose. I would, you know, get up, go to work, go home, get up, go to work, go home. You know, the same cycle over and over. Mm. And that wasn't fulfilling for me. You know, I just, that wasn't, I, I didn't feel that's where, I, I didn't feel happy there. I didn't feel like that's where I belonged. And people just, it was just not my scene. And I knew I, I did it. I, I sucked it up. I did what I needed to do. You know, it was to make money and I did it, but I just, I wasn't enjoying it. So that's why I said I was just simply existing through life, not really enjoying it because it, it was just a, it wasn't me. It wasn't what I was into. You know, I'm a very arty person and I love music and I, I just love people and I love being around people. So that was where I needed to be. And, you know, I, I believe I got what I got so that I was able to help people and, uh, bring awareness to the importance of bone marrow donations and mm. just, just overall just to be a support for people that need it. You know, if there's anything that people, you know, want to talk about, I get talked to all the time, you know, what do you, what happened when you went through avascular necrosis? Well, I did this, or what about when you got diagnosed with leukemia? What did you do? Well, this is kind of how it went for me. So I like to well, you have the, you have the, the credibility of experience, don't you? Exactly. And then yeah. that's it. You know, I just, I love helping people and, the reward for me is seeing them smile and giving them that bit of hope that, you know, they are going to make make it because for me, I have all the hope in the world that they will make it too. And to me, a big part of your story is, um, uh, you know, you have, you have the blessing of uh, living through it. And it also seems you have the blessed blessing of healing through it. Absolutely. Yes. Um, one thing I was really interested in in the book was um, was the sense that you kept feeling you were doing the the you couldn't do the thing you were supposed to be doing before diagnosis, and somehow after diagnosis you gave yourself permission to do the thing that was right for you 
instead of what you thought everyone expected of you? Exactly, yes. So how did that, how do you think that came together for you? Oh, that's easy. When you have the fear of death and the Grim Reaper staring you right in the eye saying, come here, (laughs) and you overcome that, then you realize how lucky you are to be alive. And then you realize that you're only here once. So after I got through what I got through, I'm like, that's it. I'm going to do whatever it is I love. And for me, personally, I love artwork of tattoos on the body. And at first I was a bit timid to do it, you know, but after that I was like, nah, I'm doing it. This is it. I'm only here once. I'm going to put my body, my story on my body. And that's exactly what I did. And that was just one of the things I did. Because the other one was I was very introverted, very shy, very meek, very just didn't didn't socialize. And so this really brought me out of my shell. And it, I, I love talking to people now. I joke with people. And it's, I'm a totally different person from this. And it, it's just an amazing journey for me. And it, it, it sounds, you know, um, I don't know if you've heard about this new thing. They're studying post-traumatic growth. Instead of post-traumatic stress, but I think that's you're really talking about that. That in some way you you kind of swept away the the um, unimportant stuff and Absolutely. and let yourself be at the center of your life in a different exactly. way. Exactly. Yes. In, in a place where I, I took control of my power to myself instead of giving my power to everybody else. I I got it back. You know what I mean? And so for me, it was just saying that I've been through this. You haven't. And I'm going to be here to help anybody and everybody I can now. And I'm going to take back my power and I'm going to use it in the right way instead of in a negative way that would potentially be detrimental to me somehow. So for me, it was getting back my power and then giving it to other people in the right way so that I could empower other people to Whatever it is they're going through, I can empower them to get through whatever they needed to get through. How did that impact that that shift in you? How did it impact your relationships with other people? Night and day, absolutely night and day. Uh, like I, you know, like I said, people. When I was growing up, I was very introverted, so I didn't tell people a lot about me. So people didn't really know much about me, except for the little bits that I allowed them in to myself. You know, so. Mm-hmm. For me, you know, after this, I just was open and I, I was just free. And I just, after that, I just had no hangups. I just, it is what it is. And mm. it, it was just easier for me because before I would hold on to little things and let just hold on to them inside and it would just build up and build up. And it was always negative for me. So this way I would just release it. And it was just a positive thing for me. Don't you find that sort of, uh, ironic that um, we we hold back because we think we're trying to please people. Exactly. But then they don't get the benefit of really knowing us and they're not pleased. And then we've just hurt <laughs> ourselves even more because we're trying to please somebody else because we're not being ourselves. You know, so that you, you, you got to be yourself no matter what. And why wouldn't you want to be yourself? Whoever you are, you're awesome. Be yourself. You know what I mean? It's It's cool. We need individuality out there. Yes. Now, uh, were there particular things, do you think, in your family or background that made it hard to be the person you now know yourself to be? Or did you just kind of come up with that on your own, that 
that who you were wasn't acceptable. Uh, that was me. That was totally me. I, when, I, when I got through what I got through, I just said, that's an unacceptable way. I can't be living like that. I can't be introverted anymore because it didn't get me anywhere. I, didn't, I, I held myself back from so many things in life because of my shyness. And now that I've gotten through what I need to get through, I have no fear. And it, rejection is a part of life. You get it all the time. I get it all the time. Mm-hmm. But instead of letting it affect you in a negative way, guess what? Just plan a new road. Go somewhere else. Don't ever let anything stop you. In fact, let it empower you. The more rejection you get, the better the rewards you'll get at the end. I guarantee it because that's exactly what happened to me. How do you think never, that works? Never give up. What, how did that work for you? How did rejection lead to more? In, Honestly, in your I've life. been rejected in a lot of areas all my life, and instead of letting it affect me and you know hold me back, I would find another way to get to my goal, just a whole new route, whatever it was, and I, I would always achieve it in another way, so no matter if I expected it this way, it would never go that way. I'd have to do something else. For instance, you know, writing this book, I, I didn't know how to do it. I read a book, and uh, Marilla Scott's book, In Our House, and I just thought this is a amazing story and I love the way she wrote it and I reached out to her to see if she'd write my book you know and this is kind of where it plays into and she actually took on my story and I was just so incredibly blessed and happy that she did that for me and to be able to share my story with everybody it was just it was awesome to do that so you kind of were sitting there going well I have this impulse to write my story but I don't know how exactly and then in figuring out how to get it done, you added to the thing. It's more exactly. than I see. You know, that's, it's, that's a beautiful thought. The way I say it is, don't limit yourself. You know, if you limit yourself, game over. If you don't limit yourself, game on. And, and that's just how I look at that. If you limit yourself, you're always going to be limited to whatever goal you want. So for me, I don't ever limit myself. And if I get rejected, cool, I'll I'll figure it out somewhere else. Sure, I'll be a bit down, I'll be a bit upset, but, you know, that's life. You know, you just got to take it on the chin and keep going. Well, there's, there's uh, the two words that are coming to my mind are, don't stop. Exactly. Don't stop. <laughs> don't ever stop. Don't ever stop. Don't stop. Which, which I would think has something to do with um, realizing the value of a moment, you know, I'm I'm feeling that as you're talking that there's a kind of um, of a uh, enthusiasm about living your moments that, to me, would help you not stop. Exactly. I, uh, before, because yeah, why waste a moment? <laughs> I probably would have said, "Yeah, let's stop," but I. It was when I was told that I had to stop that I said, "No, no, 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 no! I want to keep going. I, I don't want to stop anymore." I want to keep going. I like where I'm at. I like my life. It's too beautiful of a place to leave. I don't want to go anywhere. So you're right in what you just said there. And very clarifying because I didn't get the sense from the book that you felt that way about your life before leukemia. You know, like it was a great thing and you, you didn't, you know, you couldn't stand the thought of not, not having it. Uh, yeah. it, it seems like you, you gained that more fighting through to, to continue living. Yes. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And 
I have to say, I work in cancer. I've gone through treatment with a lot of people. And you had a very, very acute story in my mind. Yes. Uh, you just got broken down physically. Absolutely. Um, so there must be some way that you differentiated all the physical parts from what was going on in your mind and heart. Absolutely. In order to be rebuilt, you have to be broken down. And it was pretty much mentally and physically at that point, you know, it was kind of rebuilding me as a new person is how I looked at, you know, what I got with leukemia. Mm. Wow. It just, it just took the old person that I was, if you will, metaphorically died when I got the cancer. And when I got the bone marrow transplant, it was like the new David emerged. The new David was born. There was a different David, and look at world, positivity is coming. That's just how I look at that. You know, when I read that part of the book where suddenly they're saying, okay, I guess you're going to live. I love that part. (laughs) That's, of course, a wonderful thing. And I I also know. I love the doctor's face when he came in the room. And you know how many times I've seen the doctors come into my room and just look so puzzled? They look at my history and they're like, oh, my God, how are you still here? And just just boggles their mind. I love when I meet doctors like that. You know, yeah. it's just, it's so awesome. And, and I know it's also, that's also an adjustment. You know, I know people who were diagnosed with AIDS way back when, when it was sure death. And yeah. then they lived and they kind of got confused about things for a while. <laughs> did yeah. that happen with you? It did. Absolutely it did. I, I mean, like I said, you know, when the doctor kept saying, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it. I, I got that feeling right then, like, dude, you've been wrong four times. I'm still here. What's going on? What's going yeah. on? You're supposed to be the professional. You know, what's going on here? <laughs> so, it just goes to show you that they're not, they're not uh, whatever we call God, are they? <laughs> exactly. But see, that's the other thing. Thank you for bringing that up. I actually, before then, I, I didn't really talk to God all that much. You know, being Native American, I, I have a creator, and I, you know, I didn't really talk to him all that much. But when I was in the hospital, every day, you know, I would look up at that, you know, the ceiling with the tile, the sealed tile ceilings, and I would just look up there and say, come on, man, just give me one day. I, I don't care if I'm not here tomorrow. Just give me today. Give me an hour. Give me a couple hours. Just give me here today. So my faith, you know, and my creator really, really blossomed through that and really opened my eyes to my spirituality and just how in tuned I really wasn't. And how in tuned I really needed to be with him. So I, I really started talking a lot with my creator. My uncle is a medicine man, and he did a ceremony for me. And that really is when I, I just, you know, really got to be more of a faithful person in, in my, you know, my creator and really brought me closer to my spiritual world. So that's also... Uh, uh in my mind, an outgrowth of, of um, responding to a loss by growing, that mm-hmm. your sense of the spiritual, whatever that is for you, deepens. Yes? Yeah, absolutely. It did. It, it and, intensified, and, uh, and it, it saved me. It absolutely saved me. You know, and, so, I, and that also, to me, I know something about not, um, you know, about... Um, 
that kind of medicine. And it seems to me that also involves a, a kind of putting yourself in community. Yes. Uh, with other people who are also um, keep trying to keep that connection alive. Did that happen for you? Yeah, well, absolutely it did. And even to this day, it's still continuing. But like I said, you know, just before, it, it took kind of that for me to really kick up my faith a notch or two, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, before that, don't get me wrong, I was still, you know, I, I practiced a lot. You know, we do sweats. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would go into the sweat lodge every summer, two, three, four times, you know, the summer. But, you know, I, I just didn't do the other parts with, you know, the sweet grass, the smudging or the praying. And it was after that that I really, really started to get in tune with, you know, my creator and um, my family and the people around me and just, you know, being as good a person as I could be. The difference I hear there between um, a kind of social spirituality where you do the things and a direct conversation with whatever is greater than yourself. Exactly. Just so that the, way, the way I saw it was if you talk and you put that energy out there in the world, it's going to, I just, this is how I think. If I'm going to put a positive affirmation in the world, I know it's going to come back to me in a different way. And for me, every, everything, I had to be positive with everything, no matter what it was. It could be, you know, two days of great counts, and then one day it was the worst counts. And I wouldn't, I'd be down for a little bit, but then I'd be like, you know what, it's just today, we'll be better tomorrow. And building up on my positivity really, really, really helped who I am today. And it's not an overnight process. i got to establish that right now. You need to, you know, practice being positive every single day. It's a, it's it's a tough thing to do sometimes, but you got to do it every single day. Well, yes, and having read the book, I know that you didn't. Um, you know, sometimes when people say practice being positive, there's a sort of pushing away of what's difficult. Yeah, you know, it is so, so but I didn't difficult. I didn't get that at all. It was just you were going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and saying, "I'm going to do my part." Did, did I read that right? Yeah, but it's it's a bit more than that as well, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, absolutely, one foot in front of the other, just to make sure, you know, just to get by. But it was a lot deeper than that as well. Sure, sure. It's time for our our break. When we come back, let's talk about the mission that came clear to you after this experience. I, I really want to make sure people have a chance to hear what you're what you're doing with this experience. Listeners, go to Good Grief at Voice America to reach me and DavidTakaro.com to find out more about David and how to purchase his book Bad to the Bone. Be back soon. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. 
we're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. My guest today is David Takaro Jr., the subject of the book, Bad to the Bone. You know, before we get on to talking about what you're doing with um, with your calling, um, the bone marrow, um, trying to encourage people to be bone marrow donors, I just want to check in about where your health is at these days. Oh, it's absolutely incredible. Um, since leaving Canada five years ago, I moved to Orange County to see a holistic doctor, and the treatments he's been doing on me have been absolutely amazing. Um, and because of the treatments he's been doing, honestly, I'm probably healthier now than I was before I got sick. And it's just been an incredible journey, you know, with this doctor that I've been seeing. It's just been amazing. And, you know, I, every morning I wake up in extreme pain because just because I have leukemia and I've passed, it doesn't mean I don't have lingering effects because I do absolutely do. I've got, you know, a few diseases. I've got avascular necrosis, which is the deadening of all the joints. Mm. Thus far, I've had my left shoulder replaced, both of my hips replaced, and my right knee replaced. Due up is my right shoulder, my left knee, and now my lower lumbar, my L1, L5 are completely messed, so I'm going to be getting a back surgery. So you, you would think that would be enough to send somebody in a great depression, but for me, it's just, nah, you know, one after the other. I'm, I'm used to them now. Uh, You're going to be fully bionic one of these days. That's the DJ name, Bionic Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, and- it's just... Every morning I wake up in excruciating pain. And this is what I'm telling people, you know, it's easy to say to be positive, but to really be positive, this is, this is why I want to send this message home. I wake up in extreme pain every day with this avascular necrosis. I have kidney disease and I have graft versus host, which is an offset for my bone marrow transplant. So being in extreme heat, I can die like nothing. So I, I wake up like this every day and I still put on that smile and the happy face. And to be positive, I have to own that. So going through what I went through with my bone marrow transplant, I own the blood type, B positive. My bone marrow donor was a B positive blood type. So now I went from O negative to B positive. So everything about me is positive now. I was so touched by you meeting him as well. Uh, you that described that. the greatest that, day of my life. Um, that sense of, you know, what an amazing world we live in. I'd, I'd really love for you to share with people uh how you found each other because it's 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 anonymous at first isn't it yes absolutely and and how did he did he find you uh actually yeah well at first you know after the bone marrow transplant you have to wait two years before you can meet your recipient (coughs) sorry your donor 
I'm not sure what that's about. Uh, so after the two years was up, I wrote to the Vancouver Bone Marrow Registry in Canada. He wrote to the DKMS in Germany. I want to meet him. I want to meet him by both ways. But between Vancouver and Germany, there was just some loss in translation for two years. So four mm-hmm. years went by. And, you know, I'm still writing. I want to meet my donor. He was writing. I want to meet the recipient. And then nothing. And then out of the blue, I get a phone call. Hey, Dave, uh, this is so-and-so. We, uh, your bone marrow donor wants to meet you. Do you want to meet him? I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I've only so, been wanting to for four years, well, right? Exactly. <laughs> so I, he said, I can't tell you anything right now. I said, okay, can I ask you three quick questions? Male, female, what country, how old? Can you at least tell me that? And he's like, male... 30-something Germany. I'm like, I knew it. Because going through this, you know, being Native American and half British, my mom's from Manchester, England, I thought my donor's going to be either from Britain or Germany. And the reason why I said Germany is because they're so far ahead in, in, the, in, the, in the whole, like, research, development, treatment world. Like, Germany's just so far ahead. So that's why I said Germany. So when he said Germany, I was like, I knew it. Yeah, I just I knew it right away. It just fit for you, huh? Exactly. I, it just, I knew it was. And so then you met, is that correct? Yep. What was was that like? Did he speak uh, English or not or what? Very broken, very, very little, very broken. Google Translate was our (laughs) go-to, you know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) A little little plug for Google Translate, huh? (laughs) Exactly. I remember in LAX, there's this big yellow sign, big bold letters, do not cross. And we were waiting for him for about three, four hours to come to customs. And I had my sign, you know, welcome into my bone marrow donor. So many people came up to me and were like, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And there's three armed guards there with semi-automatics. You, you just don't want to make, don't want to upset. So when he came out, he kind of pointed to me and I'm like, pointed to him. He's like, yeah, drop the sign, ran past that yellow line. And I just gave him the biggest hug. The yeah. guards just let it go. And they're just like, let this moment happen. And I was so thankful for those guys letting that happen. And, Oh, sorry, just kind of, you know, I just remember that moment so well, and it just, oh, it was just, it was the greatest moment of my life, and I just cannot thank Christian enough for his selflessness and what he's done. So, let's talk a little bit about what it did involve. Well, involve, um, okay, so first off, I want to let people know, when you donate bone marrow, it is not painful it used to be, but not anymore. With technology coming as far as it has, it's a simple blood draw. That is it. Before, they would have to aspirate from your hip, and they just don't do that anymore. Like I said, technology's come so far. So to donate bone marrow, you just swab the inside of your cheeks. You send the swab back to the DKMS or the Delete Blood Cancer Society. They'll run your DNA, and if you're an instant match, you'll be notified. Otherwise, your DNA is held there on file until you are a match. And if you go to www.DavidTuckerow.com, there's a link on my site that says become a donor. It'll take you right to the Delete Blood Cancer, and from there you can fill out all the information. They'll send you the swab kits. You send them back. They'll send you a card to say you're a registered bone marrow donor. And from there, they'll, you know, they'll keep you on file until you are able to donate. So it's really a quick, easy, free, painless process. I can't. I can't specify the. Uh, well, and er, the, hesitate the painless enough. The other thing is, um, you could register and not even decide, couldn't you? Uh, in other Absolutely. words, 
you could put yourself on the registry and then see where you're at if you're ever a match and decide then, couldn't you? Absolutely, yes, exactly. Uh, you know, so, it's so there's no. The to the me, day. I can't. I can't imagine any harm in in registering. Exactly, and that's it's the, just you know, a swab, isn't it? To let people know about that. That it's so easy to do. It is so painless to do, and it's free. Saving a life is free. Now, think of the magnitude of that. You're saving somebody's life for free. You're saving a life. You know, and the power that comes with that. You know, it's just unparalleled. You know, you're saving a life, you know, like that, that's like, that's greatest. That's a, the greatest and, gift you can give anybody. And you don't even have to run into a burning building or. Exactly. You know, <laughs> it's all taken jump care off of. the bridge or anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I was, uh, I was moved by his, uh, his response to knowing that he had saved your life. Um, yeah. To me, that had a big impact on him, yes? Oh, it did. It really did. Because even he didn't know, all he was told was, there's a 25-year-old young man in Canada that needs your bone marrow. Will you donate? Oh, absolutely. No, don't. No, just take it. He needs it. So for him, he he just wanted to help. That was his only thing. That's all he wanted to do was help. And he did that. And when he met me, like I said, you never know whose life you're going to be saving. And it just happened to be me, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was, it, it, oh, I just, you know, it's just such a surreal thing. And when you, you get to meet these people, it's just such an awesome thing. And what I'm trying to do with this is create so many success stories where the donors and the recipients meet each other. You know, you, the magnitude of that is just so huge. And I just urge everybody out there, please go to davidtuckerow.com, T-U-C-C-A-R-O, Click the link, become a donor. I don't care about anything else. Just click that link. Go to that site. Just fill out the information and do the swab kit. That's all I ask of you. And then, you know, if you get called on, that's your decision to save a life. But I highly urge you do it because it is painless and you're saving a life. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah. the greatest thing in the world. And I, and I, real, I want to apologize because I've been pronouncing your name wrong. So I'm glad you corrected that. Um, oh, and and if people forget all that, they can ju- they can get in touch with me, and I I will direct them right to your site. So um, absolutely, it's easy to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the bottom line. The thing is, um, <clears throat> the way you're talking about it is very compelling to me. Yeah, of course given what I do for work and, and wh- the people I encounter in my life, I'm, I'm all the way for people doing this. But there's something in you talking about your experience with your particular donor and how that changed your life and his and what a profound relationship that is. Exactly. I, I, I just feel that's so compelling. Um, I hope that's... Uh, inspiring the the listeners what kinds of places do you do you uh share your message do you do speaking or um, i do speaking i do a lot of radio interviews Uh, a lot of people just contact me directly if you want to go on facebook i'm on david tuckerow if you want to follow me on twitter dj tuckerow at dj tuckerow otherwise you know you can go to my website and you know get a hold of me there but otherwise i'm available anywhere i talk i don't care where it is whether it's you know, in front of 5,000 people, or if it's just talking to somebody on the street, 
I just want to get my message to everybody. I feel there's something in that that's about, I've been thinking a lot about the dif- the difference between um, following your passion and working hard. <laughs> you know, yeah. when you're yeah, following your passion, you wish you had more time in the day, yeah? Yeah, you do. You really do. You, you know, how could I like do more of this? Sometimes. And when you're stressed <laughs> out, it's more like, when is the day going to be over? Yeah. I hear such passion in your voice for this <laughs> calling you found. There really is. That's all it is, man. Because, I mean, I, I, I was saved. And I just want other people to be saved. I, I had, a you know, a friend... Um, who had a brother who had the same disease I had, ALL leukemia. As an adult, if you get childhood leukemia, the statistics are very against you of surviving. I had every, every hope in the world to not make it, and my friend's brother had every hope in the world to make it. He didn't make it, and I did, you know, so there's just something to it. And I think if we can get everybody out there to start donating bone marrow, hey, man, we can get more success stories and we can get more people to live because the guy was, he was just young people. You know, only 4% of cancer research money goes to childhood research to, ch- to fund childhood cancer. And that boggles my mind. You know, because, I mean, it's, because the fact is when kids get childhood cancers, they're relatively treatable, aren't they? Uh, no, but I compared, mean, yes, no? If you get, like, say if you get leukemia, yeah, but if you get a brain tumor, it's right. a different story. It depends you know? which type, huh? Exactly, exactly. It just depends what you get. Yeah, yeah. So I feel you've told us a lot about what inspires you, what makes your life precious, what makes your moments meaningful. But we're Absolutely. we're coming down to the end of our time together, and I wonder if there's just uh, something about your life now that that makes your heart sing that you have because you got the opportunity to live through this. Oh, absolutely. And, and for me, you know, it, it's just sharing and sharing and caring, sharing my story and caring about other people. And, and also, you know, another thing I found therapeutic is writing. Uh, you know, writing the story was another big help for me and uh, releasing some of that negative energy I was holding on to. So, you know, writing the book was one thing, but when I went to meet Marilla Scott out in Ohio a few times, you know, we'd just sit there and have a general conversation. But what she did for me was she took everything that I was holding in, all those negative feelings out. So that was even more of like weight lifted off of my shoulder. So mm-hmm. for everybody else out there, you're going through a bad day, something's going on, just write out what it is because you're going to get your negative energy out, ballpoint to the pen, just on the paper. It'll be out of you. Go back to it like a couple hours or a couple of days later and say, hey, I've grown this much than this much time and build on that, you know? So the writing process is, is a very great thing too. Just, just everybody, post-it note, paper, journaling, whatever, just, just write. I highly urge that. Uh, and, and a lot of people I've interviewed share that passion with you for writing oh, absolutely um, you know it, it's just such a great thing it, it's it's free therapy if you will you know it's free. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh david i appreciate you being here today so much it's really been great and oh, we'll keep in awesome. touch i'm sure listeners oh, find 
Find out more about David Tuckrow Jr. and buy the book Bad to the Bone at davidtuckrow.com. Next week, I'll be talking with Cynthia Luce, whose book Invisible Child chronicles her story overcoming a very difficult childhood and how that led to her impassioned advocacy for abused, neglected, and unseen children. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.